really have an awesome responsibility, frankly, to show people, you know, these really special places and help create more stewards of these places, you know? It, it's easy to think of river guides as, as, you know, folks that like to party and drink and have a good time, which we do, uh, definitely. But there, there's kind of a sacred responsibility, if you, if you ask me, that we have to impart what we know and, and, and what we can to folks that otherwise can't. This is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. I'm here with Tyler Babcock. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks, Joey. Great. I'm super excited to talk to you today because you are friends with Mary Maley, who is my first podcast guest, and Ian MacGyver, who is just a couple episodes recently. And you are in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Is that true? That's correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Very cool. I heard it's beautiful out there. Uh, Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. This is a, a beautiful time of year too. If I understand correctly, you are a seasonal, but you do both your seasons in Jackson Hole, right? That's correct. Yeah. Tell me how, tell me a yeah. little bit about about that whole process and what what your year looks like. Yeah, so uh it's it's changed slightly in the last calendar year, I'll say, but up until then, I was working at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort in the wintertime as a ski patroller. And then in the summertime, I was uh, teaching whitewater kayaking and uh, swiftwater rescue courses for Rendezvous River Sports here in Jackson. And then yet this past summer, I um, kind of transitioned to still seasonal. It's actually called dual seasonal, um, but I now work both summer and winter at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort and supplement that time with some work at the airport for an airline there. And then uh, also I work in the Grand Canyon in the spring. So, And what do you do at the resort? So uh, in the wintertime, I'm a ski patroller. Spend spend my day ski patrolling. And then in the uh, summertime, I work mountain projects, which is formerly known as trail crew. We do uh, summer grooming, so that encompasses everything from cutting down trees to drilling and blasting rocks all the way down to picking thistles. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, yeah, it's an interesting job. A lot of physical work. You're changing the terrain for the, the winter season? That's correct. So, um, obviously you know, the, the snow falls and, and then there's winter grooming, but there's actually a lot of shaping that takes place during the summertime with regards to, you know, moving trees and, and moving earth to shape the, the ski runs. And then you said in the spring you, uh, work in Yellowstone? Uh, no, the Grand Canyon. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Grand, you work at okay. the Grand Canyon. That's all right. Spring. Yellowstone's beautiful too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I work, I'm actually a, a swamper, uh, which is, it's kind of a funny, very niche term. Um, but uh, in the Grand Canyon, there's a, a guide who is not really a guide that actually kind of does a, a lot of the grunt work for, for the guides. So uh, I, don't, I don't actually man the boat. I, I kind of help the, the boatmen do all of their duties. Um, and I've been doing that. This is my fourth spring. I'll be down there. So. Sounds like just in the last couple of years, you've done, you've worn a, di- a bunch of different hats, like doing a, a bunch of different jobs throughout yeah, that's, that area. That's, I would say that that's maybe the, the uh, title of my book, if there were one. Um, <laughs> I, wear, I wear and have worn a lot, of, uh, a lot of different hats, yeah. When you're looking at a job, how do you, 
it like say a job that you're thinking about jumping into or a job that you want to do what are some of the biggest things that go through your mind uh well i mean you know <laughs> the necessary evil that we all live uh live by is is money right so i first look to see if it can help me support my uh, the rest of my life i i own a home here in wyoming and so I have, you know, financial obligations here. So that's the first thing I look at is, can I make enough money to pay the bills? And then from there, it's, will, will I enjoy this? And then, you know, I would say that the last few years, I don't know, maybe I've always kind of had this view, but um, where, where can this job that I'm taking, uh, where, can it, where can it take me in the end? Where, where will I end up if I if I take this job, you know, kind of, I guess, more of a long-term perspective, like where is it going to lead me? Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. It's kind of a (laughs) multi-point answer, but. uh... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different factors since there's so many jobs, you have to find Mm -hmm. the pros and cons for all of them and put it through your own matrix to figure out what you want, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I would say, you know, I, I pretty early on rejected the i guess traditional american way of living in terms of like you know i early on decided i i was going to live a life that i enjoyed um over a life that uh maybe i was expected to have yeah so if it if it's not going to make me happy and bring me happiness in this moment and it has potential to bring me happiness long term then i'm not going to do it was there a moment or a specific job that helped you to get to that that decision you know i'm i'm really fortunate i i'm the youngest of five kids my oldest siblings they're 10 and and seven years older than me Uh, my sister and my brother they both river guided when i was uh, younger i was in like elementary school i saw them doing that and uh, yeah i must have been like nine years old or something right around there and and I saw them doing that and I was like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to do that thing for sure. From about that time forward, I, I made every decision I could to line me up to get in that position as early as, as I could. So fortunately I took that into, uh, <laughs> I worked for the Boy Scouts of America for a couple summers in the Uinta mountain range in, in Utah. And uh, met some great friends there and and gained some great experiences. And then when I was 16, I spent my first summer river guiding on the Snake River here in in Jackson and uh, for the Boy Scouts of America. And then uh, at the advice of uh, kind of a long, long time family friend, I was told that I should go work at this other Boy Scout camp in uh, Idaho. So. The next summer, between my uh, let's see, my junior and senior year of high school, I worked on the Salmon River in Salmon, Idaho, or near Salmon, Idaho, um, and I learned a whitewater kayak, and that really changed my life. So I spent two summers there. Yeah, learned a whitewater kayak and and taught whitewater kayaking and uh, took people on rafting trips on the the main salmon there above Corn Creek. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just like really early on knew kind of what I, what I wanted to do and kind of saw this, this thing that was going to make me happy. And so pretty early on rivers is kind of what was the driving force in my decision-making in life. (laughs) And it's, it's really kind of stuck with me since then. When your siblings saw you going down that path that they had gone down did they have any words of advice or any thoughts for you wow uh i i i don't think so i mean not that i can recall my sister Allie, uh who's still uh she and i are really close yeah i think she especially has always been really supportive of my pursuit of being on the river <laughs> maybe partially because she's jealous she didn't stick with it longer i don't know and and my oldest brother Travis too. We, I don't know, and and I don't know. We all my all of my siblings. We all really just kind of like connect uh, with the water and the river. 
for some reason, but they, I, I don't know if there's any like one, one bit of advice or anything, but always very supportive, I would say. Yeah. It sounds like it was sort of, you know, they were, they were on that path. And once they saw you picking it up, it was just like, you know, this is, this is how we got into it. It's just going to keep going. Yeah. And it's interesting. They, uh, you know, my, my oldest brother, he, I think he only river guided one year and then, you know, he, he kind of went a, a different way and now he, he's got a family and lives in the suburbs and, you know, has a successful uh, video production company. And, and my sister, Allie, she's, she's also got a family and works in a hospital. She's a, a nurse educator. And, and so neither one of them really kind of made a life of it. I would say I, I definitely was the anomaly in, in that regard, but um, they, they certainly started me off on the, on that path. Do you see you're mentioning that Allie works in the, in the hospital setting reminded me of this, a lot of the, or whitewater guides and ski patrollers I've talked to seem to gravitate towards that emergency services type sector, either after they do seasonal work or even while they're doing it. Do you, have you seen that? Yeah, no question. Coworkers over the years, both on the river and um, in the ski patrol world, they, uh, yeah. In fact, you, even now, some of my coworkers at the ski resort We've we've got PAs and and nurses and paramedics that all ski patrol while they do those other jobs. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it is except that um, there's an interest in helping people, and then you know there's definitely a draw to being the one everybody looks to for answers in a moment of need. You know, I'm sure it kind of drives that that decision to pursue medicine in, in varying degrees. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I kind of want to ask, take me through like one of your favorite days of your, one of your summer jobs and one of your winter jobs. And you can kind of combine days to make it even more awesome, but I kind of want to see what it's like just to, just to shadow along on one of your best days working these two jobs. Okay. Yeah. So. Man, the I would say that when it comes to the river, I I would say my one of the things I love most about it is showing other people that don't know its magic um, yet, showing them the, them that magic. So for for several years, uh, I had the opportunity to do a week long or sorry, I guess a five day course with a nonprofit organization that does whitewater kayaking instruction for uh, people that uh, are terminally ill or are in uh, remission from cancer. This organization is called First Descents. Every year I would spend five days with these folks, um, really, really special people that have just an unbelievable outlook on life. You know, they've, they've, uh, been tried and tested in terms of their mortality and they just have just this incredible outlook on the rest of their life you know they've kind of either been given a second chance or they want to squeeze the the moments they have left in their life out of their life you know they, they and to show them the the magic of the river and and how just how beautiful it is and and how just teaches you these, these natural life lessons, um, about, you know, trial and error and, and failure and success. And it's really, it's a really, really special thing. And, and that carries over, you know, into my experiences on the Grand Canyon, the, the company I work for and the trips that I do are, are largely, are largely folks that, may never get the opportunity to go down the Grand Canyon any other way. And so to show these people that would otherwise not, not be able to go into this magical place, how incredible it is. And, and the, the beauty that it offers is, you know, it's really special. So I guess, I don't know that the thread that kind of weaves those things together is, is showing them 
these special places and I guess sharing with them my love for it and how it can bring them so much joy and happiness. When you're telling me that and talking about the the two different tours, are there are there certain individual guests that come to mind as you're sort of describing it? Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, there's well, you know, I, I've been fortunate to to meet a lot of different people um, uh, over the years. I, I would say hundreds, if not thousands of people have crossed my path. So to, to single one out specifically would, would be challenging for me. I, I don't know, f- funny anecdote to that is occasionally, so there's there's this company that takes photos of you as you go down the river. So occasionally someone will come up to me that I don't know. And they'll say, are you T-Bone? That's, that's my, my nickname. Um, <laughs> they'll say, are you T-Bone? And I'll go, uh, well, yeah. And they'll go, oh my God, you took my, you know, cousin or grandma or sister or friend down the river like six years ago. And your photo is hanging in our living room. And uh, <laughs> it's kind of this, it's, it's a funny moment to, to know that, you know, I am literally on their family like photo wall in their house in like Greenwich, Connecticut or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're a celebrity. I in in uh, in somebody's life, you know. It's yeah. Kind of fun. I mean, I I don't have I don't have pictures of celebrities on my wall. I've got pictures of tour guides that showed me <laughs> something amazing and showed me that the river is magic. Yeah. And I, and I, of course, you know, I'm, I'm always really flattered and, and, uh, I, I always, you know, secretly feel bad that I don't remember that, remember them so well, uh, as they do me, but, uh, yeah. In, in my seasonal experience, I've got like these big shoulder seasons before or between seasons. Do you, do you have that in the way that you do it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely do. And so I'm really fortunate. I, like I said, I work ski patrol in the winter and I kind of patchwork the rest of the, the year together. But the bulk of my time is now in the summer working at the ski resort. But I, on my off days in the winter and the summer, I work at the airport. I throw luggage and that gives me the ability to fly for free basically anywhere I want to in the world. And That's so. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's really really special. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. And so I try to each off season I I try to squeeze in a trip somewhere using that that benefit that I have as well as I you know, I try and squeeze in weekend trips here and there throughout the summer and winter. But uh and then uh you know, the springtime is is often filled the bulk of it is filled with my time in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And then in the fall, yeah, I either, I either travel or sometimes I'll stick around here in Wyoming and, and, uh, try and harvest some, some elk for my, my winter meat supply. So yeah, I, I, I do have an off season and I, <laughs> I call it an off season, but it tends to be in, in many ways more busy than the rest of the year. <laughs> right. Yeah. When you choose a a place to go because you have those those periods of time where you travel or or go on trips, how do you how do you decide where to go or what are some of your spots that you return to? Well, I uh, I listen to what other people say. I, I try and take advice from them. You know, I'm I'm fortunate that I work with a lot of different people that have traveled all over, and so I kind of try and pick and choose places that that uh fit the bill for what I'm looking for in that moment. My my partner, my girlfriend and I, Emma, um, she and I went to Mexico uh last week um and laid on a beach for a few days. <laughs> and uh oftentimes my traveling is more adventurous than that where I'm I'm like surfing or I'm I'm kayaking or hiking. Last summer we went to the Dolomites um and did did a backpacking trip in the Dolomites and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of depends. Um, I would say a lot of my travel 
allows me the opportunity to uh, meet and spend time with people that I might not otherwise uh, get to see as often or get to uh, visit with in those types of settings as much. I, I keep it pretty loose. <laughs> I don't, I typically don't make plans very far in advance in terms of where I'm going to travel to. That's, that's the advantage and disadvantage of flying standby is sometimes you don't get to go where you plan to go. You, you have to adjust and, and go somewhere else. How did the Dolomites trip come about and how did it go? That's in Italy, uh, right? So, yeah. So Emma's, um, Emma's mom turns, uh, she turned 60 last year. And so for her 60th birthday, she was gracious enough to invite us to um, join her on this on this Dolomites trip. So her and her friends uh, were going on this trip and, and they invited Emma and I. And so we hiked from refugio to refugio, drinking beer and, and laughing and, and hiking along the way. Um, for, unfortunately, I, I didn't get to stay for very long. I, I was only actually in Italy for, I think, three days. Um, but Emma stayed a little longer and her mom, I think, did the entire Alta Via which is, is pretty cool. Um, but that's what took us there was her 60th. Especially at 60 going, well, what do you want to do for your 60th? I want to go climb the Dolomites. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Emma's mom is a, is a really, really awesome lady and, and, uh, her friends are incredible as well. In fact, um, they are all, I'm actually taking Emma and her mom and her brother and her brother's friend and her cousin and her aunt and like 10 of their friends and my dad and my sister down the grand canyon this spring so they're all they're all coming on a on a trip with uh with the the company i work for so oh that's super cool just a big family trip yeah yeah we're really really fortunate really excited i get to show all these people I love this incredible place. What would you say for, cause I've been to the grand Canyon just, I spent, I think two days there just camping. I, I only, I took like a two hour hike down, didn't make it to the bottom, came back up. What would you say is the best way to experience the grand Canyon and like sort of what, cause I'm guessing you're going to say what on the water, <laughs> but like, <laughs> What exactly like trip and length and, you know, what preparation should a person do before they get the ultimate Grand Canyon experience? Well, hands down, the best way to experience the Grand Canyon is from the bottom. Um, So yes, going down, going down the river for sure. That's not to say that there's not incredible experiences you can have hiking and, and backpacking and climbing and exploring the rims, et cetera. But the special thing about going down the Colorado river through the grand Canyon is you get to see 280 miles of the grand Canyon in a continuous way. And so from a geological perspective, that's pretty magical. That's a, that's a lot of, a lot of layers of earth. You get to, you know, carve your way through a lot of uh, you know thousands and thousands and thousands of years of history, natural history that you get to see and hear the story about as you cut your way through the canyon, which is really really special. I, I would say uh, you know the great thing about having outfitters in the Grand Canyon is that uh, as I as I kind of alluded to earlier is it allows people that may not have otherwise had the opportunity to grow go down the grand canyon to to witness it because they they have they can rely on the skill set of others you don't have to be uh, an experienced you know oarsman um and know how to prep a trip for you know three weeks to to make that trip happen you can you can hire somebody at a pretty reasonable rate to to take you down and and show you the magic of that place and there's a there's a variety of ways to do it, you know. Some outfitters, like the one I work for, they have motor trips, and that's actually how uh, how I'll I'll be taking Emma and her family down the river is on a motorized boat called an S rig. It's a thirty seven foot long inflatable 
boat and we'll put all the gear on that boat and another one identical to it and we'll put uh roughly you know 10 to 12 people on each boat plus the guide and swamper and we'll cruise down the river we we take aged uh baby boomers that you know aren't maybe aren't quite as uh agile as they once were we get to take them down the river to to see this incredible place and the really cool thing about that is you know it turns people into conservationists that may not have otherwise had the uh the understanding of what they were or what they could be preserving um, or conserving in their their efforts yeah so anyway there's there's a variety of companies uh you know if i I guess I'll make a, a shameless plug for Colorado River and Trail Expeditions. Crate, as we call it, crateinc.com. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we offer we offer a great trip. Yeah, we, we're totally down for shameless plugs around here. So <laughs> feel free. <Right> <laughs> yeah, it's you bring up a, a great thought that <clears throat> I actually, I've heard from another whitewater uh, guide that I, it just in my in my mind never came to it, and I guess maybe it wouldn't unless you're the person doing the guide. But you're facilitating the experience of someone who otherwise couldn't to go like check out this awesome natural thing. Yeah, that's and and I mean you know, river guides often have inflated egos, um, and uh, I'm sure I'm I'm no uh, uh, I'm no. Ex- you know, I, I won't exclude myself from that stereotype, but we really have an awesome responsibility, frankly, to, to show people, you know, these really special places and help create more stewards of these places. You know, it's easy to think of river guides as, as, you know, folks that like to party and drink and, and have a good time, which we do, uh, definitely. But, um, there there's kind of a sacred responsibility if you if you ask me that we have to um impart what we know and 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 what we uh, can to folks that otherwise can't yeah you're trying to get them to fall in love with it and that like you said that's probably such a fun and rewarding job to see these people fall in love with the you know where you've made your home or you know what you made your job that they'll only get to experience the once or maybe just a handful of times yeah it's a it's a really special thing to watch people fall in love with uh something you love so much for sure i know now like sort of what drove you towards the lifestyle the you know getting into white water early on falling in love with the river but as a person what what are some big things in your life that have happened that have kind of guided you and shaped you wow what a what a question i uh i grew up in utah salt lake city utah and uh like i mentioned before i'm the youngest of five kids four boys one girl and uh, i was raised in a mormon family and I was pretty, uh, I was pretty devout to that religion all the way into my early or mid twenties. Um, I went on a Mormon mission. I actually, the only two years I haven't worked on the river, or sorry, two summers I haven't worked on the river since I was 16 were those two years that I was on a, on a Mormon mission. Went to California, wore a suit and tie every day, knocked on doors and tried to teach people about Jesus, <laughs> which is just so funny to say now because I feel like I am, you know, that uh, that is not who I am anymore. But, you know, we are a product of our environment. And, and so I have to, I guess, pay homage and, and respect to the character building that took place as I grew up in, in that religion. Um, I learned, I learned a lot of wonderful things. Uh, I learned how to, how to be a good person and how to treat others with love. But ultimately I, I left that religion and, and um, that was huge. And it still has ripple effects in my life today. 
my my parents are still Mormon. Almost all of my siblings have have departed from the the Mormon way of thinking now. I mean, having been so devoted that I I literally spent two full years of my life trying to convince, you know, strangers that this is the only truth out there to now, which I would basically say is, you know, depending on your perspective, atheist or agnostic of some kind, that's a pretty wild transition. And it's been 10 years now since I, since I, I guess, uh, made my exodus, if you will, no pun intended. That is probably the single most defining decision I, I have made in my life for sure. Yeah, it's, it's kind of wild to think about. Sometimes I think that, that that time in my life was literally a dream. Like it, it just feels like it was another life ago. You know, I, I just live a whole different life now. It's kind of crazy to think about. If you don't mind taking us in there under the hood of that decision, what, what went into it? Uh, yeah, that's, um, how long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> as long that's, as you need uh, it to be. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's a long, um, that is, there's a long answer to that one, uh, for sure. But, and, and I'm not, uh, I'm not afraid to go there and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to answer. Uh, I'm basically an open book when it comes to that. But I would just say that it started with, I just wasn't happy. Our guiding light inside of ourselves, you know, our, our compass, our, our, you know, the helm of our ship is how we feel inside. And I just was not happy. And I was doing all the things I was told I was supposed to do to be happy. And when none of those things seemed to be working, I, I decided that I guess I better not be doing those things or I, or, or I should, should change something somehow. And so I did. Um, I, I made the decision to try not going to church. And I immediately started to feel this um, kind of weight off my shoulders. I, I, I feel like, and I, I kind of didn't realize probably for a really long time that I constantly was walking around with, with this just kind of guilty feeling all the time that I wasn't good enough. And I, you know, I feel like it was brought on by the, uh, the expectations placed on on you know the members inside that organization and so as soon as i was able to relieve myself of this like expectation that i had really kind of allowed myself to feel i just felt this weight off my shoulders and and so uh yeah i mean that's kind of the long and short of it it's it's certainly far more in depth than that, but like I said, we, we you'd need a long uh, a long slot uh, for me. <laughs> I don't know. Does that does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it sort of gives me uh, the feeling you were going through and what you what steps you took to try to feel a different way. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, the happiness. And the the just overwhelming sense of of belonging that I I feel on this side of things, and the you know the community I've I've you know been fortunate to uh, build around myself is I just feel really fortunate. I feel really lucky. I have a lot of really loving and and supportive people in my life, and you know got to give credit where credit is due my my parents even you know they're still mormon but they they have shown me nothing but love in even in my decision to you know kind of more or less reject the way of life that they had you know laid out before me yeah it sounds like you've got you've got a great thing going you made it the right decision for you and a ton of stuff has turned out really well for you like you say you're you're very fortunate you sort of try to bring people into the seasonal lifestyle or into sort of the types of jobs that you you do now in maybe a similar way that you did 
with uh, the religion before, or say if you did have a young person or maybe even somebody that were looking for something different come up to you, what would you say? Or what, what do you usually say in that situation? You know, um, I wouldn't say that I, I try and convert anyone to the seasonal way of life. I guess I, I more, more than anything, I, I, I guess I just encourage people to question what is expected of them. Um, you know, we have this, like, culturally, we just have this expectation that like, you know, and I'm, I'm going to speak in generalizations here, but we have this expectation that you're supposed to finish high school and go, go into college and get your four-year degree and then get out of college and then find your person and pursue this career that you may or may not feel passionate about, you know, and, and that's the right thing for some people, you know, and thank God we have those people, frankly, (laughs) but that's not necessarily the right thing for everybody. And, uh, that was most certainly not the right path for me. I could have done it and I'd probably have a lot more money than I do right now, but I don't think I would feel fulfilled or happy. You know, I, I think I, I don't think I would, yeah, I don't think I would be the person that I am now and, and have this beautiful life that I do if, if I had gone after those, or I guess followed those expectations. So, so in answer to your question, yeah, I, I, I definitely encourage people to question the, the social norms. Um, not everybody needs to, to do what, what everybody else is doing. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of weird, right? Like what you're talking about. And when you said you'd have more money, I'm thinking of people that work. And like you said, you know, some people are made for that lifestyle and some people don't fit there. And so sometimes they'll come over and try the seasonal lifestyle. But in my mind, like, so if one of those people that maybe would be better served by the seasonal lifestyle, but they don't want to leave what they have, you talk to them and they're like, oh, work's so stressful. Like I come home and I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. And you're like, okay, well, there's this other option here. And they, the money is like the bottom line. The, the first thing they look at and the last thing, they, it's like the only thing they look at. But if, if you were to go up to them like day to day, you know, like, okay, how was today? And they're like, oh, it was awful. You know, my boss is an asshole and like this is, and this and that and that. And you're like, okay, well, look at look over here. And it's this whitewater rafting guide who's showing off the Grand Canyon to these people and just having a blast and loving it. And it's like that it that is possible for you. And for me, it's like, I don't know, it's always such a strange thing that they're so quick to say, Oh no, I couldn't do that. Or, oh no, no, that's that's totally crazy. And I I guess it goes hand in hand with the idea that like humans have free will, but it's really hard for them to take advantage of it. It takes so much courage and like day after day after day, like thoughtfully making the choice to do what you want, to not fall into that same, like I do this and then I do this and I do this. And I I guess they're, they're related, but it's like, I don't know. It's such a weird thing for me to think about. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, I, man, I have heard many, many times those, those words, you know, like, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Every time I'm like, man, you can, you could, you could literally do this thing. And it's like, almost like you're speaking a different language. Like they hear those words come out of your mouth, but it doesn't make sense to them. Like, I feel like the reaction is almost always like a, a laugh or a, or a like, sure I could kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, you know, some people are just more risk averse, I guess, you know, I don't know. Like, as I mentioned, you know, right out of the gate, we all need money. There's no question about that, but there's a way to, what, what is need, you know, like you just need, if you can simplify your life to, to some extent, you know, your, your needs become a lot less. And 
I, I, I live a seasonal life and, and I own a home. So it's possible. You just have to see that it's possible and see the way there and work for it and, and make it happen. You know? Yeah. I, I had a friend from home from Salt Lake come and visit me this winter. Great guy. He had, he had a son, uh, well, he had, he has a son, but he, he had a, a child pretty, pretty young or in our early twenties. So his son, like, I guess his son's like, I don't know, a teenager now. Yeah. When, when he came at my, when my buddy came to visit me this, this winter, you know, he was just kind of jaw dropped, like, wow, I can't believe this life you live. Like, you know, you're so lucky and, and it's so cool. And he was, he was just like, he was admiring what I'm doing here. And, and I just said, his name happens to be Tyler as well. And I was like, dude, Tyler, you can do this, man. This is, and I was like, I get it. You know, you're, you're, you're plugging away. You're doing your thing. You're trying to, to raise your son and kudos to you, you know, do it, but this can be you and you can make this happen. And, you know, your son's going to be 18 in a couple of years and you're still going to be a really young guy and you can, this is not out of your reach, man. You just got to see it and do it. And God, it just, it's so funny. It seems so simple in my brain. And yet when you, when you say it to somebody else, you can tell it's not that simple in their mind. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a strange thing. Yeah. To me, it's sort of like, like a two way glass like on your side, you can see them clearly and yeah. on their side, they can't see through it. Like there's something that when you say you could do this, like this could within a year, you could be doing, you could be in the exact same spot I am and I'll help you get there. It's super easy. And their eyes just glaze over, I guess. Cause there's like so many, they come up with all these risks and all these things that could happen. And they're like, well, how much do I trust this person? And like, it just never reaches that point where, I mean, there are plenty of times where it does, but for the most part, there's a, there's a lot of conversations that I have and they're just like, no, that's, that can't happen. Or they just turn it off. I, I have had, you know, I've had friends that are, you know, down in dumps or depressed or, you know, dealing with, with issues. And, and, you know, I've offered them, they're like, man, I'm looking for change. Like I should just move to Jackson, you know? And I'm like, dude, I literally could get you a job tomorrow. There's, there's plenty of work here. I'll, I'll rent you a room in my house for super cheap. You can come live with me. I I've got you. I'll, I'll help you figure this out. Like just come, come here come, come live with me. Come see what this life is like. I'm, I'm like trying to, to give them this chance to, to find what, what else is out there. And, you know, I've never really had anybody take me up on it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. My, my usual pitch about Alaska for a summer is I'll make sure you survive. I'll feed you if I have to. And you will leave with way more money than you came with. And I luckily through like a combination of really hammering on a couple people and also like through the podcast and the magazine kind of shooting that signal out have had a few people take me up on it and they're all doing it. They're living that life. They're super successful. They're very happy and I couldn't be more proud of them. And That's yeah, cool. it's the, those other people, I'm like, come on, you can come on, just come on, just come with me. Let's do it. Let's make you awesome. <laughs> yeah. But there, yeah. you know, on the other side, there are friends that are killing it in, you know, a normal or like a, that lifestyle that, you know, everyone thinks, oh, this is what you should do. And they're doing great. And I love spending time with them as well. That They're obviously meant for that but it's it's the ones on the line and the ones that obviously to me anyway are would be better suited trying a different route that i'm like come on just come on yeah 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 not every it you know it's not for everybody Uh, i think i've heard on 
on other episodes with a variety of folks you've chatted with. It's not for everybody. It's just not. But it is definitely for some people. And it really is a, a very, it's a very great life. It's it's full of really awesome things. So if you're, let's say you're 22, you just graduated with some sort of degree and you're kind of disenchanted with sort of the way things are going and you listen to this episode and all of a sudden Tyler Babcock tells you the plan to get you into a great situation, say in a year, year and a half, what step-by-step advice would you give somebody like that? Here's, here's the moment. I'm ready for it. Well, I, I would, I would probably ask him a few questions like, you know, what do you like to do? You know, I like to, I like being outdoors. I also sometimes enjoy playing video games, but I like making new friends and having fun. Right on. What do you like to do out outdoors? Uh, Hiking a lot, but recently I've sort of been getting into like, I don't know the history of the earth and learning sort of about different rocks and geology. I know it's nerdy, but I don't know, for some reason it really resonates with me. Right on. That's awesome. Dude, there are, there are 10 directions you could, you could go with that. I would probably follow that up with what's your degree in and, and, you know, do you need to make money or are you, do, do you have financial obligations? All those types of questions. But ultimately I would just say, dude, go, go live in Flagstaff for Flagstaff, Arizona for a couple months, link up with the link up with a, a rafting company down there and see if you can see if you can get on a, on a trip down the Grand Canyon for one, that, that one trip will probably change your life more than, you know, but you know, if you're interested in geology, man, and hiking, that you're you're basically in in mecca (laughs) you know there's just like endless hiking for one and when it comes to geology you know at least in north america the the grand canyon is like you know in terms of variety and and age of rock like you're you're not going to see you're not going to see much uh much better um at least not that accessible yeah i don't know there's yeah, there's a, I mean, or go, go drive a, a shuttle vehicle on, on the Snake River here in Jackson, Wyoming. You can hike through the Tetons all summer long and, and, you know, explore all the canyons uh, around here. I don't know. There's, there's so, so many options. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah. I, I have a big smile on my face almost wishing I was 22 again so I could do it all over again and, and explore it in a totally different way. (laughs) Right. For getting a job at, let's say this person took your advice, went to Flagstaff, got on a boat that went down, you know, the Grand Canyon. And that it it was, that was their life changing moment. What are best practices or best procedures to getting a job at a whitewater rafting company? Well, each, each company is a little different. Each state's a little different. There's a lot of ways to get in. Oftentimes, you know, like if, if your end goal was to end up being a Grand Canyon river guide, first of all, I'll tell you, you've probably got a long road ahead of you because that's, it takes a long time for people to get down there as a guide. But you know, if that was your end goal, stop into it, literally stop into any rafting company or 10 rafting companies and tell them, you know, ask them if they have a job available, any job, literally. I mean, drive a shuttle, you know, change the oil on the vehicles, take bookings and reservations, greet the guests, whatever the, the job is, pick, pick a cool place that, that that's kind of fun, Moab or Flagstaff or, you know, Jackson, Wyoming or, I don't know, Pulse in Montana or, <laughs> you know, a- any one of these places, walk into a rafting company and see if they're hiring. And chances are you'll find a job. And once your foot's in the door, then you can you can start learning what it takes. Sometimes that can happen 
quick and, and you could be rowing a boat before the, the season's over. And sometimes you might need to put in a little work for a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, or just ask a river guide. They're, they're all going to tell you that basically the same thing, you know, that they got a job at a rafting company, driving a shuttle or, you know, washing cars or, or buses or, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you want it, there's a way in for sure. That's good advice. <laughs> Let me ask for you, what's, what's a big goal that you're looking forward to? Uh, wow. Uh, thank you. That's a great question. That's a tough question to answer. I, I have a lot of travel that I, I hope to accomplish in the next little while. Emma and I, uh, have, have plans to, we're, we're looking at buying a, another piece of property and, uh, building a home together. So those are kind of my, my new goals coming up. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties now. And so I'm thinking about the, what kind of an adventure it would be to be, maybe be a, a dad at some point, you know, I was, we were talking about earlier, like, you know, one of the things that I love most about being uh, on the river is showing people how amazing it is. And the, the thought that went through my, my mind was maybe that's why people like being a parent (laughs) is they get to like, you know, show all these wonders and amazing things to another human being. So I don't know, that seems like a cool adventure, but we're not, we're not there yet. I could see that, that happening, you know, talk about an adventure, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've had a ton of success and a lot of the other things you've done. So I'm sure you'll be successful there as well. And that's a great way of looking at it, like showing, showing another little human, like, Hey baby, check out this planet earth. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really that's, there's a lot of like monotony and, and maybe horrible moments along the way, I'm sure in, in being a parent, but that's really what you're doing. Right. I guess is like showing all the things that you love to this other, to this other human seems like a pretty fun adventure. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tyler, thanks for coming on the podcast. It was great talking to you. Yeah. Thanks, Joey. It was super fun. Um, Yeah. I appreciate you having me on the show. That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out. Yeah.